0: Except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. This is the word of the Lord. Go ahead. But now I am writing you to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. Expel the wicked person from among you. The word of the Lord. About five pages, maybe less, apart in your Bible, written by the same author, the Apostle Paul, the same genre of literature, letters written to churches. So which is it, guys, gals? Are we a accepting people, or are we an expelling people? <laughs> which are we? It can be tough to know the answer to that it can be tough in some cases maybe not so tough let's say uh, i don't know pick something silly frank comes into our church and he says in the tabernacle there's seven lampstands and so you heathen heretics what are you doing with two you have to have seven candles okay we're probably going to say now frank Let's uh, not quarrel over disputable matters. I don't really think that's disputable, but regardless, we're going to say let's not quarrel, right? On the other hand, if Sally's coming uh, to Sunday school and if she's writing blog posts and and bringing pamphlets to church trying to uh, persuade people that Jesus didn't really come back from the dead, then I think... Well, first of all, the elders would go to her and say, you know, you're welcome here, but you need to stop. And if she uh, didn't stop, then the elders would probably have to go to her again and say, you're not welcome here, right? Uh, We cannot have people who are actively teaching a theology that is incompatible with the gospel. But then there's trickier things. And most of the things we deal with, frankly, fall into the trickier category. I mean, what if um, Ray comes and uh, Ray's really excited to worship and Ray, he, he, every time we start to sing, man, Ray, it's obvious he's into it. He's a spiritual Person, he's a prayer warrior, he's asking for everybody. Loves Ray, but then the worship starts one day, and Ray whips out from his bag giant flags and he's just running back and forth and waving his flag for Jesus back and forth. And we say, Ray, what are you doing? This is how I, I worship, I'm worshiping. And he, he has scriptures that he can point to uh, that say, Raise your banner for the Lord and and everything like that and he's been to other churches where this is uh acceptable and so we tell him Ray for the sake of everybody else you just this is distracting and everything and we want you to be into it but you can't do that and so he says okay 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 and he and he tries but then the next Sunday sure enough uh, he quits running around but there he can't help it he 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 gets out the the flags again, or if he doesn't have flags, he wears like some 70s ruffly shirt with the may as well be flags hanging down from it, you know, and he's just, he's just, and everybody's looking at Ray, and nobody's looking at the song, nobody's really singing anymore, they're all kind of, and we go to Ray, Ray man, you gotta stop, and he says, I can't, this is how the Holy Spirit comes upon me, and drives me to worship. I mean, it's a a silly example, perhaps, uh, but then it's like, see, what do you do? He's what do you do? You can expel him. Maybe you would. Maybe we would. Isn't that interesting. It's fun to think about that example, but it's interesting. A little bit of a rabbit trail, by the way. Churches are way different one to another. The church experience is way different. From one to another. So this is a step aside from the sermon because I just want to make an editorial comment. When you invite friends or coworkers to church, for some people, that's really um, intimidating because they don't know what to expect. When Sarah and I were in Washington, we had a friend uh, and her in the worked in the band with her. And and was genuinely curious about faith, and was like a like a seeker, you would call her, or a, she wanted to know, right? And so she called up another one of her non-believing friends, and they went to a church, and it was one of it was a hyper-charismatic church. Now I'm not anti-charismatic. No, no, we wave your hands. You praise the Lord, Hallelujah. praise Jesus, right? Uh, I'm not even uh, saying that the spirit can't. Uh, doesn't still have people speak in tongues. Fine, I've never spoken in tongues myself. But she went to a church, let me just say, she went to a church, and it was like nobody was speaking English. And the flags were there. And there were people, like, running back and forth. And then the pastor would just stand up there while while the piano player just plays one chord over, like Mike just did for five minutes while Len played, except the pastor would be like, uh, in some kind of trance or something, and and she came away. They left. They didn't stay for but 10 or 15 minutes, and they left. And she's like, never again. And if she doesn't know any better, do you understand? If she doesn't know any better, she thinks that this is what we all do, or that this is normal. I'm only saying this so that when you're inviting people to worship with you, you might need to do a little bit more, more work especially for people who are reluctant or for people who say that they, they don't want to go or that they've been there, done that, or something like that. What happened? Ask them their experience. Ask them about their past church experience. Have you ever been to a worship? You know, And then offer uh, to, to enter into that, offer to explain to them. So that's enough about that. I'm going to get back to the sermon. Uh, we're talking about that gray area. What do you do uh, when... Uh, and how, what do you do when somebody is doing something, has a belief or a practice, and it's not anti-gospel, but it's problematic for maybe some of us? What do you do? And how do you know what's an undisputable or what is a disputable matter? Boy, that can be tough. Let's go, though, to the Word, and let's see what we can unpack Uh from that? Are we a, a welcoming, an accepting church, or are we an expelling church? Let's pray. Uh, dear Father, Lord, as we come before you, we come because you've called us. We come as sinful people, um, myself especially. So I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, forgive me of my sin. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare, uh, forgive all of uh, these people before me of their sin. It's very biblical uh, to do that, to pray that you would forgive others for their sins. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear your word. And Lord, this is a difficult concept. So God, won't you just uh, give us wisdom? Give us wisdom. James says, if we, get, if we ask, you'll give it. So we're asking, Lord, give us wisdom uh, and grace but also a fierce conviction for your truth. We pray for those two things this morning as we come to your word. We want to be filled with grace, but we also want to be able to have uh, um, fiercely held convictions for your truth. Uh, And we need you to do that. We need you to do that. We're going to depend on you to do that, Holy Spirit. We're going to depend on you. We pray in Christ's name. For we are your people, Lord Jesus, Amen. All right, let's go to the scripture. Paul starts in Romans fourteen with this. He says, "Accept the one." I'm reading from the NIV, slightly different than the uh, the, the ESV this week. Uh, so, accept the one whose faith is weak, without quarreling over disputable matters. Then he gives some examples. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Remember that one. I'll get back to that. That's a key. For God has accepted them. Verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason... Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. Now, two commands are very clear, two commands to uh, hear in this passage. One, accept one another. And the other one, do not quarrel over disputable matters. Of course, what are disputable matters? That's the question of the day. Paul gives us two examples. I'll start with the second example is uh, which day is holy? Which day do we worship on? Uh, We know that uh, the fourth commandment tells us to remember, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Rest is something that we are not only given as a gift, but we are also commanded to do it. Uh, but which day is it? Saturday, as some would maintain, is it Sunday, as others would maintain, or it doesn't matter? What about a Christian? If it is Sunday, can a Christian then be a firefighter or a doctor because they have to be on call? A nurse, uh, a tow truck driver, they have to be on t- on call. These right, and so perhaps we'll chalk this up to a disputable matter and we will move on with things the first thing the first example paul gave was though the example of food and now this doesn't seem maybe like a big deal to you and me but to a first century jew the law of moses the law of the old testament was everything it wasn't just the list of do's and don'ts folks the law of moses was who you are it was your identity. You are not just a person who happens to not eat shellfish, let's say. Not eating shellfish is who you are, is what makes you Jewish, is what then it's a quick leap to go from there. To what makes you God's person? What makes you acceptable in God's sight? That's faulty. They were never supposed to see it that way, but they did. They did come to see it that way so food what they ate they were on they were all kinds of food regulations in the law of Moses don't eat certain animals you know pork for example shellfish I've mentioned don't uh, uh, what else you can't eat an animal with its lifeblood still in it you can't eat an animal that had been sacrificed to idols you can't eat an animal cooked in its uh, mother's milk is that how it goes I know it sounds it sounds rather odd to us right but it didn't sound Odd uh, to them. To them, it's very, very important. And so, when people start coming to Christ, there's this wave of people. See, now Jesus taught about this, and this is why there's this, this is tension. When people start coming to Christ, Jesus said, it's not what goes into the mouth that makes you clean or unclean, but it's what comes out of the mouth that makes you clean or unclean. Peter famously had a dream in which he was told by God, Shown all the unclean animals and kill and eat. Everything, in other words, is clean. Jesus taught, you see, it was never the food. The food rule was never the thing that made you clean or unclean. That was the thing that set you apart as my people. I gave you those regulations to set you apart as your people, so to make you mindful that you're different, so that every time... You would go and eat this particular way or you would avoid this particular food. You would remember why. It's because uh, you are the God's chosen people. You see? But the food itself was never the thing that made you God's chosen people. Does that make sense? Uh, some up and down heads. Okay. Well, in the early church, some people got that. But other people were really nervous about it. They didn't think that that was, they weren't convinced, let's just say. Some of them were so unconvinced, living in a Greek culture, remember he's writing this to to the Roman world, so living in a Greco-Roman culture, who knows where this meat came from? So some of them went so far as to say, we better just be vegetarians, because any meat we buy in the marketplace could have been offered to a false god i know it's hard to imagine this being like a huge stumbling block or a thing over which christians would divide but it was it was and now now paul uses two categories as he's talking two different types of christians you saw them strong and weak A person who eats only vegetables, in his example, is doing so because they don't yet understand Jesus' teaching on the Old Testament food laws. So Jesus said they're completely clean forever. And Jesus said, you, the eater, the eater, you are completely clean forever because of his blood on the cross. Now, weak is not necessarily a bad thing. Remember, weak, they want to please God. But some were looking down on them. So let's go on. Verse 10. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment. See, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, he's going to give his own, his own opinion, his own. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. So if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, And joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Edification means the building up. Mutual building up. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean. But it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall away. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But, here's the other side, whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that, with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'll end with this verse. Accept one another then, just as Christ has accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. This is the word of the Lord. It doesn't sound like this passage is going to be very helpful in those gray areas, does it? At least it might not be very helpful at deciding which is a disputable matter and which is not a disputable matter. We're going to have to use the whole counsel of God's Word. Gee, what a shame, right? The whole Bible. And we're going to have to depend on the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to make those discernments. But Paul's teaching here does lay out some principles that are important for us to hear. Now, before I begin with the principles, as you were reading that or as you were listening to me read that, which category uh, did you put yourself in, the strong or the weak? As you were hearing it, which one were you in your mind? Yeah, you're supposed to be the strong, right? Paul is a very, very good writer. He does that on purpose. He puts us in the mind frame of thinking of ourselves as the strong ones. And so, if we were to go around the room, and if we were to be honest, each of us could probably name a Christian, or we could at least name a behavior, or we could at least name a belief of a Christian that we would look down upon. That we would say, that's the weaker one. We won't do that. But you have somebody in your mind or something in your mind. So, therefore, what Paul's teaching us here is not only a message for the Roman church, it's a message for all of us. He's writing to you and me. Let's define our terms real quick. For my purposes and our purposes today, the strong Christian, you can write this in your notes page. You can also use the notes section on your app, although deliver, lead us not into temptation, Lord, but deliver us from evil. So uh, stay away from the Instagram and the, uh, uh, the Twitter feeds, okay? Uh, unless you're going to tweet something very insightful that I say. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the strong guy... Uh, is a, a Christian with a strong opinion. Let's just say strong opinion on issue X, right? And a weak guy is a Christian with a strong opinion on issue X that differs from the strong guy's opinion. And that's as simple as I want to make it for today. And 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 so everyone, you can see yourself as the strong guy. You, you're the weak guy too. That's going to be one of your bullet points. But you can see yourself. You're supposed to start off seeing yourself as the strong guy. And so the first. that strikes me from this passage that i want to bring out is to uh number one expect disagreement expect disagreement that's huge that's huge i mean in today's culture if you disagree with me what are you doing what's that say what are you doing you're, I heard a even stronger. I heard a judge coming from up here. What'd you say? Attacking. attacking, even stronger. You're attacking me if you disagree with me. That's how people under, are understanding disagreement. That's why we need safe spaces all over the place, and we need to censor harmful speech. Right? Harm. Think of harmful speech. Right? Huh? Expect disagreement here in this family, in this church family, because we're dealing with something that we love, we're dealing with something that we believe with all our hearts, we're dealing with something that we think is really, really, really important for all time, and the only way we're not going to disagree about stuff is if we aren't thinking or if we don't care. So let's just get over the fact that there are people here that see things differently, that have disagreements, okay? Matt Smethurst of the TGC, speaking of Twitter, he tweeted this week something I thought was so apropos for this conversation. He said, an immature Christian is hard to please and easy to offend. Isn't that great? I think that's great. We shouldn't be that way. We should be easy to please and hard to offend. The second thing I can see from this passage is that I'm supposed to welcome the weak guy into my life. Now, yes, Paul is talking to a church, not an individual person. But the people I welcome into my church, I'm also welcoming them into my life because we are a family. So I'm supposed to welcome the weak guy, whoever I see the weak guy to be, into my life. All stop. That I did not say I welcome the weak guy if he'll change his mind on issue X, right? I did not say I'll welcome the weak guy if he'll keep quiet about issue X. I did not say I'll welcome the weak guy so that I can change his mind on issue X. Because if we both have Christ in common, then we have more in common than we have different from one another. Then we have that separ- There's more unites us than what separates us. Christians are really, really, really different one to another. But think about that for a second and, and don't just think about it. I want you to believe it. If you have Christ in common, there is more. that unites you than that separates you. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Sometimes, I'm going to be honest, sometimes when I'm in an argument or a discussion or a debate with somebody, It's not God's glory that my heart is really after. Sometimes, once in a very great while, it's not God's glory. It's actually my own glory. I want to be right or I want to win. Not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to beat them up. For their good. Did you hear that? I said beat them up, build them up. Go ahead and holler at me if I mess up something really important, okay? Be on your toes out there. To build them up, right, for their good. What good will it do, especially on a a superficial matter, what good will it do for me to smack a young believer upside the head with a Bible and say, get it right. It might make me feel holy and self-righteous, but I can actually do a lot of damage to that person. I'm certainly probably not causing them to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. Number three, I need to realize in here, now that we've defined strong guy and weak guy, that I am the weak guy too. Now, you automatically thought of yourself as the strong guy as you heard this passage because Paul did that to you on purpose, but you are the weak guy too, and you know what that means? Guess what? Not only do you appear to be wrong to some strong guys, but in fact, you are wrong. I don't know about what. I'm wrong about stuff. I don't know about what. I think I'm right. But we're all going to get to glory one day and realize that there was a whole bunch of stuff that's, that's really, really big that we tried to make really small and manageable. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we thought was so, so simple that's just infinitely profound. I'm going to be wrong about stuff. For we all stand before God's judgment seat. Remember this. We all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God ourselves to god therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another instead this is verse 12 and 13 by the way instead make up your mind decide right now where you sit where you are make up your mind right now not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister jesus warns us against looking down on others in the sermon of the mount jesus says this from matthew 7 verse 2 for with the judgment you pronounce For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So be very, very careful. Christians disagree on all kinds of things. Some things don't seem very important. Uh, You know, is it okay to sprinkle somebody for baptism, or do they have to be dunked? Maybe that seems really important to you. To me, it seems rather tangential others seem really really important right how does god view divorce and remarriage uh, if you see a weaker brother who is, is, is you believe is wrong even though even if it's a, even if it is an important matter and you believe that they are wrong Pray for them. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 7-2. Pray for them. And pray for them. Pray for them not just that they would get that opinion right because that opinion, that issue that you're looking at, that you're talking, that is not the thing that, if anything, separates them from God. That is not the thing that separates them from God. So don't pray that they start thinking like you, but pray that God would have mercy on them. Pray that God would forgive them save them. How would you want that person to pray for you? How do you want that person praying for you? Pick something. Um, well, good. You would want them to pray for you in a, in a good way, right? In a nice way. Sure. The polygamist, right? Who's got 16 wives. Okay. How do you want him to pray for you? Or don't you? I hope you do. How do you want him to pray for you? The uh, Christian who's on the board at Planned Parenthood. Some of you don't think you could be a Christian and be on the board at Planned Parenthood. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. How do you want them to pray for you? Now how are you going to pray for people who are weaker? The fourth and final thing and this is where it all comes down. Remember that song we sang, Your Grace is Enough, and we talked about the difference between Christianity and Islam. And in Islam, you got to earn your favor from Allah. And in Christianity, all that is, it's impossible. We can't earn favor from God. We can't make God love us more, like us more, or love us less, like us less. Because He's already loved us so much that He's given us His Son. The fourth point I have is that I am free to be wrong that is i am free to be wrong do you know that did you know that you are free to be wrong about stuff you are it's okay what book of the bible are we in just seeing if you're uh, still paying attention Romans, I'm almost done here. Hang with me, but this is the most important part. We're in Romans, right? What's the message of the book of Romans? What's the theme? Go back to Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. God's righteousness is revealed not in my works, not in how good I can be, not in how many uh, doctrines I get right or how many political opinions I am on the right side of history on, whatever that means. God's righteousness is given to you, given to you, In spite of how many things you're wrong about and in spite of how many things you are doing that are sinful and in spite of how much you've pushed him away, his righteousness, his perfect record is given, given, given away. Handed to you and released, given to you. How many more times should I say given? It's given to you by faith in Jesus. And the righteous will live forever. How will they live forever? By faith. By faith. By faith. And it's not when I say by faith. You don't have to believe hard enough. You don't have to believe enough right things. That's not what we're talking about. Faith is the tool in God's hand that he uses to ratchet his righteousness onto you by faith. You have that faith in you. If you have that faith, it's because faith is the tool, the thing that God uses to communicate his righteousness to you, to make you perfect in his sight, to forgive your sins, to bring you into his family. So when you begin a conversation with somebody who is, I mean, you believe this person is as wrong as a hockey player in a tutu, right? You begin that conversation. If that person is in Christ, you begin that conversation, both of you, righteous, perfect, holy, welcomed by god and at the end of that conversation at the end of that debate at the end of that discussion whether you've convinced that person whether that person's convinced you whether you both end up disagreeing whether you both end up right whether you both end up wrong guess how much god's love for each of you has changed zero that's where freedom comes from see that's why i said i'm free to be wrong Because God's love for me and my standing before him isn't based upon how many things I'm right about, how many things I'm wrong about. And thanks be to God that it's not, or I would never sleep a wink. I would be so er- nervous and anxious and just freaked out all the time. Right? course we still care for the truth. Brothers and sisters, pursue the truth because the truth matters and the truth will set you free. We have convictions and we hold to those convictions fiercely. And yes, sometimes you and the other guy that you're arguing with, both of whom who are righteous before God because you both have faith in Christ, you might decide that your differences are significant enough that you can't worship together, that you can't be in in a church family together. So that's why we have all different kinds of denominations and different churches right? But how do we view one another? How do we welcome one another? How do we have these conversations? Hold to the truth and hold to it fierce. Be convinced. Be convicted based upon your study of the word, by the way, not based upon how the other guy smells or whatever they're wearing. Based upon your conviction of the word, hold to the truth that you've come to believe. But that's not what saves you. What saves you is the faith that you have in Jesus, what he's done for you, to forgive your sins, to make you perfect, to welcome you in to God's family, to be adopted. And someday, we'll figure all that other stuff out, or we'll figure out that it didn't really matter. Okay? We good? Let's pray. Thanks, Charlotte. God, thank you for uh, this gift of freedom that you've given to us. Freedom, it feels even weird to say it, but freedom to be wrong. But you have. You've made us so free to pursue you, to love one another, to follow you with all abandon. We can't thank you enough. I pray your an extra measure of your mercy upon me, upon this congregation, as we seek to engage. We want to have discussions that matter, God. We want to we want to discuss your word. We want to dig deep. We want to talk about the issues that are plaguing our society, issues uh, of politics and, and multiculturalism, and this the, the world's economy and, 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 and gene gene editing and 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 sexuality, and gender issues, and there's just so much going on, and we know your word speaks to that, but then there's other Christians, and we don't, we don't agree. And Father, we just need your grace. We need your grace to remember what's core, to remember what is important, but then also to have the, the gumption, Lord, to speak into a non-believing world, to speak truth and life and to draw them to something that is better, better than politics, better than social media, better than the fad of the day, to draw them into your eternal people. God, what a day that'll be when you come again and you remake this world and the heavens and the earth pass away and all is made right. And we see then face to face. We live for that day. But thus far today is not that day. So God, we are going to leave here now as your people. And we're we're going to depend on you. Depend on you, Lord. For that wisdom we spoke of just a minute ago. And we know you're going to give it. You are faithful. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.